Encore on RTHK Radio 3 and Take a Minute, which was an, a very ballady tune. I wasn't expecting that to be as ballady as it was. I am incredibly happy to invite on the show today. We are joined on the line this afternoon by uh, Professor Dr. Philip Baer, a forensic pathologist here in Hong Kong. And I'm crossing my fingers that he can hear me. Dr. Baer, are you with us? Yes, definitely. Awesome. Hi. <laughs> Hi. <laughs> Thank you so much for joining us on the show. And I have to say, I'm incredibly grateful because I am fascinated by your profession and full of questions <laughs> about what it is that you do. Um, but, but firstly, for those who don't know, uh, what, what is a forensic pathologist? Well, basically, to put it simply, we investigate death, uh, trying to find out a cause of death. Great. Um, great. And so, and why did you choose that career? Why did you, how did you, how did you embark on this as your life's work? Uh, I'm not sure if I chose it. <laughs> well, it, it, essentially, it's a course that was a part of what we had to do as medical students. Uh, so when I was going through medical school, uh, it, it intrigued me. It was interesting. Uh, but no, I, I had not imagined it as a career. However, having graduated and in Hong Kong, we went along for interviews as to what jobs we wanted. And I was told, okay, there's a vacancy in forensic pathology. Why don't you give it a try? You know, it, it wasn't as if it was a request. It was, okay, go do it. <laughs> uh, Unlike some of my other colleagues, uh, I stayed. They all subsequently left. <laughs> and and what is it? What is it that kept you there? What was it that do you do you remember what it was like in the f the first sort of cases examples that you were working on? What kept what's kept you in this profession for as long as you've been in it? Well, I, I suppose originally uh, I, I really didn't know what to what, what I was getting into. I mean, uh, as students with we, we had uh, watched autopsies, we learned uh, a lot of pathology watching autopsies, uh, but we never really touched anything or did anything you know, quite like that. So uh, my first day on the job when we went down to the mortuary and literally I was standing there looking at you know, a real recently dead body and then wondering to myself what am I supposed to do I don't know what to do you know uh, I suppose wow. the good the good thing was uh, I couldn't possibly do any harm <laughs> that's true <laughs> that's a silver lining I suppose yeah, yeah. I suppose yes and uh, but yeah it intrigued me that there was a lot that I did, did not know uh, and indirectly it, it kept you um still very much in touch with medicine because every time there are new things you need to keep up to date because you need to know what the doctors do at the hospitals, how they're treating patients, what surgery they're doing, etc., etc. So in that sense, uh, you still kept your medical knowledge, although I don't use it to treat people anymore. Yeah, fa that's fascinating. And what would you say is a, is a common misconception about your profession? I mean, obviously, we're coming out of a generation of people who were mm. brought up watching TV shows like CSI and true crime dramas and sure. things like that. But, but what would you say is actually some of the biggest misconceptions about your profession and about forensic pathologists themselves? I think uh, particularly for forensic pathologists in Hong Kong, 
uh, even my friends say to me, well, you don't talk to patients. Now, in that sense, it's true. However, in Hong Kong, forensic pathologists talk to the family members of patients. Who, oh, wow, who you do. You, you, talk to, you talk to family we, members. We do actually talk. <laughs> <laughs> You're not silent in the background all yes. the time. Uh, sure. And you, you could imagine uh, it's probably an even more difficult uh, bit of work than... Um, average doctors talking to patients because now you have to work out from family members about you know what has happened and they're obviously not in the best emotional state uh, arguing about whether an autopsy needs or need not be done no so uh it's it's been challenging but i i must say if done well it, it helps everyone a lot uh, if done badly, obviously it ends up in a lot of complaints, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. I, I can imagine. Um, and do you? I mean, you've how many years have you been a forensic pathologist here in Hong Kong? <laughs> uh, way too long. 30, Thirty-eight and counting. Thirty-eight. Yep. Really? Yes. Wow! My goodness. <laughs> Gosh. Um, and and I mean. As you say, you're you're right at the forefront of a lot of new medical knowledge as well. I mean, you are a doctor, mm. um, while as you said, not exactly saving lives, but um, understanding their their end. Mm. And um, is there anything else that you feel as a forensic pathologist that you that your profession reveals about society? Do you do you get to glimpse into trends or anything like that that's happening with people? Oh, oh, you you do. I mean, of course, there there are uh, trends in even complaints about medical treatment, uh, and or about uh, certain types of care. For example, uh, I think over the years that I've been involved, increasingly, uh, the public is more vocal about their expectations of what goes on in hospitals and, and what doctors should or should not be telling them, uh, their expectations on outcomes of surgeries, etc. Uh, in some sense, it, it sometimes is uh, perhaps uh, unrealistic expectation, but I, I, I put that down to the fact that we see too much of all the success stories of, of no, almost magical treatments, etc. Mm. Yeah, mm, yeah, I can imagine. And does it also? I mean, it's it's um, obviously in your in your opinion. I'm sure you would agree that uh, forensic pathology is it important for a, a functioning society? Is it important for our communities to understand why people died? Uh, I think it, it's key for what I would argue a civilized society mm. uh, because it, it 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 gives you. Uh, to use business jargon, your your audit uh, trail, as it were. There's a way for you to find out what is happening. Uh, there is a means of checking uh, what what is going on, uh, and obviously that that it's one of the functions of ensuring um, we have a clear understanding on unexpected deaths. So, you know, deaths from trauma, from accidents. Uh, we want to know clearly if there are preventable things or there are things that we we need as a society to sanction. Oh, I can imagine that's 
that's very, very revealing. And I'm sure if there was things like rises in drug use or, or certain types exactly. of violence, yeah, you would you would be on yeah. the, the forefront of seeing the implications yeah. of those the, changes. The type of drugs that are being used, I mean, yeah. how they're changing in pattern, for example, uh, is, is often uh, what we see. For As an example, I mean, Hong Kong traditionally is uh, abuse of herring in the older days. Uh, we certainly had a spate of uh, people dying, and it purely boiled down to the fact that the quality of herring on the street was getting purer. So, wow. uh, you know, when when it, they used to inject fifty dollars worth, now they're getting a lot more, and it, it was an overdose, so they die from it. Gosh! So you yeah. can see the quality, the quality of street drugs. <laughs> Gosh. Um, would you say, what, what have been some of the uh, autopsies, I think, are part of what mm. I think many people would think about when they think about forensic pathology. But as yeah. you mentioned before, sometimes uh, you, you don't perform an autopsy. And I think today, uh, is, is it right? I know a little bit about UK um, mm. UK forensic pathology that today you don't, it, sometimes families can request or, or deny mm. um, an autopsy. Is that similar in Hong Kong? Would you, and how many autopsies have you, do you think you've performed? Yeah. Well, it, it it is definitely the case in Hong Kong. Uh, we, we follow more or less uh, the the same format as it's still being used in UK. Uh, however, uh, the family's objection to autopsies now are pretty serious. So um, each year, uh, or increasingly now, uh, the number or the percentage of autopsies that we are doing on cases that are reported to the coroner, it's down to 30%, roughly. Gosh, yeah, sure. So it's, it's not very high at all. Yeah, so, uh, but we do, there's a slight difference between Hong Kong now and the UK. Uh, Hong Kong's uh, law, when we changed it uh, in 98, uh, encompassed a whole lot of deaths which are not necessarily suspicious. So uh, we, we cover deaths in elderly care homes, we cover deaths in hospital where the doctors are not quite sure what to write down on the death cert, etc., uh, etc. Et so uh, each year, for example now, uh, about 13,000 cases are reported to a coroner uh, out of uh, 45,000 deaths a year. So uh, about a quarter of deaths are reported, which is quite a lot. Yeah, I can imagine. And of those, so how many how many autopsies do you think you would have performed in 38 years? Uh, I, I've lost count, uh, wow. but I think easily maybe 15,000 or so. Gosh. My goodness. And I mean, a forensic pathologist, you don't work in isolation, do you? You have, no, we don't. You have yeah. a team, right? Yes. And, and, and who else are you working with? Because I think there is this very, I won't say poetic, because I don't mm. think it's poetic. There's this sort of lone wolf character as a forensic pathologist alone in a dark lab. <laughs> With lots of bodies, but that's that's not that's not true, right? That, that, have... that, that's the CSI image. Yes, sure, sure. <laughs> I'm sure that in in reality, you all have birthday cakes for people's <laughs> for people's birthdays, just like any other office place. Uh, who who else is on your on your team that you're working with every day? Okay, so we we as forensic pathologists, we we work out of uh, the mortuary. 
so we have mortuary technicians, mortuary uh, assistants, mortuary officers. <coughs> I'm sorry. <coughs> I'm sorry. And uh, so we, with each case, there are easily two or three people involved, uh, even in the mortuary in the autopsy room itself. But other than that, I mean, uh, we collect samples, which are then sent to different agencies. So if, if we're looking for drugs, for example, they're, they're sent to the government chemists uh, for analysis for those drugs. Uh, we send them to the histopathology lab for tissues to be processed uh, so that we can look at it under the microscope. Uh, so a, a variety of people are actually involved. I can imagine. It sounds like it sounds like it. And in your own profession, so you've been a forensic pathologist for thirty-eight years. Is there anything that you say you're particularly interested in, or specialize in, or have developed a kind of curiosity about in that time? <laughs> uh, over the years, uh, obviously, we we see a lot. Uh, but personally, I, I've uh, I've devoted some extra time looking at. Uh, homicides in Hong Kong specifically, uh, suicides in Hong Kong, uh, you know, child abuse and child killing, uh, just just to see if there are unique patterns that uh, you know, uh, that that we could you know, study and perhaps uh, you know, change as to why they are happening, etc. Um, so, uh, it, it, I mean, and obviously with um, epidemic or pandemic periods, then we we look at the diseases. So, for example, during SARS, we, we tried to look at what was going on in, in the body of uh, SARS-infected patients who have died. Uh, currently in Hong Kong, uh, well, luckily or unluckily, I, I'm not involved with, with COVID-19, partly because we, we haven't had too many deaths. That's true. We are, as you said, like luckily or unluckily. Yeah. Um, but that's it's it's amazing. You spend a lot of time um, having to think about things that I think the rest of us would love to never think about <laughs> and never encounter. Um, but as you said, I think it's really interesting how important that is because of what we're learning from those things that you're trying to prevent these things as well. You're not relishing the fact that they're happening. Mm. Um, and you yourself, do you, do you have a family? Has that been an interesting dynamic as, with your career? I, I do. I, I... I have two sons, uh, being married, uh, well, easily 30 years now, <laughs> and uh, they, they know, they know exactly what I'm doing. In fact, my, my kids during sort of school, sometime during their school life have actually uh, came to work and see me do my work. Uh, they, they haven't followed in my footsteps but they haven't yelled at me yet <laughs> <laughs> i'm sure they're very very proud of their father and fascinated by what you do um but i think that's 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 really interesting and is there is do you think it, um forensic pathology is a career that's uh, going to remain into the future you know do you think people does it i don't you don't hear about uh, many forensic pathologists today um you're quite a a secretive <laughs> a secretive uh, little uh, gr group um do you think people are going to take up this career in the future? Do you think it's going to remain, even with like advances in uh, different kinds of technology? There are always a very small group of uh, medical students who are interested. 
uh, it's a career which uh, essentially means uh, you, you're working as an employed civil servant, more or less. So there's there's no private practice ex, as such. Um, however, I think it, it will exist. Uh, the skill sets may change uh, because increasingly uh, with some cities, uh, we, they're introducing uh, post-mortem CT scanners, post-mortem MRI scanners, uh, a lot more imaging technologies. Gosh, so you used. don't have to actually open up a body. You don't actually have to autopsy. You might, you may not have to in the future. You're saying you well, could... you, you you start by not having to. Right, you start by not having to. Yes. Yeah. So you may still end up doing it, but uh, uh, increasingly uh, less and less because you can see a lot more. Uh, and depending on what answers you need to questions raised by family or by society, if those can be answered without having to do the autopsy, then you won't need to. I see. Um, and I mean, in terms of uh, the profession itself, um, you uh, I haven't had the pleasure of meeting you in person, but you strike me as a delightful human being. <laughs> um, is, you know, is there is there something uh, you'd like to say about the kinds of personal attributes someone should have as a forensic pathologist? I mean, it doesn't strike me as a profession for the heartless and cold and unfeeling. <laughs> well, um, I, I think you, you do need to look at no, the, the 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 brighter side of things. I mean, work is gloomy enough. Hmm. Um, but uh, I suspect it, it's uh, a quest for answers all the time. So you, you're one of those who like to know answers to things. So what happened? Why did they die? What has gone wrong? Uh, and hopefully, I, I hope all my colleagues who are, who are doing this have this zeal for you know, a, a sense of justice, I suppose, to, to get you know, the right answer uh, so that everyone then can do what they need to do with it. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's a wonderful way of thinking about it. It, it is, it's a service in a, for, in a quest for justice. I think mm. that's, um, I find it very, very fascinating. So would you say that you're an optimist? I had it down to ask you if you were an optimist, <laughs> and I think I've answered it, but... Are you yeah. an optimist? Uh, to a large extent, yes. Uh, and I, I suppose you could also say uh, I, I'm very accepting of fate. You know, certain things you, you don't waste time thinking about. You, know, uh, you, you can't avoid it. <laughs> yeah. And so are you, um, I, I also want to say, because in, in Hong Kong, I think um, this, the, the type of work you do doesn't always have a lot of um, visibility or celebrity status. <laughs> but um, there's, a, there's a lot to be said for um, maybe the way that we do things in Hong Kong being mm. quite on par with international, um, international bodies as well. Would, mm. would, would you agree? I think the standard of the way that... Um, forensic pathology um, is conducted in Hong Kong seems to be incredibly high. To a large extent, we are. Uh, however, we, we do need to be careful. So, for example, uh, introducing CD scanners uh, into the public mortuaries, uh, we are going to get one soon, but we're about 10 years late. Oh, uh, so we, we, we're there, but we're, we're not always up in the forefront, as it were. Amazing. And if anyone was listening or listening back later on and was maybe interested in a career in forensic pathology, would you have any advice to them or any kind of next steps for them? 
uh, I think if they're seriously interested, then the the first thing is to get into med school. Mm. Yeah, and then uh, find opportunities to explore forensic pathology more, you know, close up, and then then only decide. Go go in with open eyes. It's it's not a, a sexy job. <laughs> <laughs> How many jobs really are? <laughs> yeah. Uh. Fantastic. Uh, Dr. Beth, thank you so, so much for joining us on the 123 show no. today to tell us more about your career. No, at all. I'm sorry I couldn't come over. No, no, I think yeah. we've got, we're all, we're all being safe and socially distancing, <laughs> um, hopefully, so that you, you don't have to encounter many of us in your workplace, <laughs> I think is the ultimate goal <laughs> of, of this. Um, so, yes, but thank you.